All right, so welcome. My name's Mitch. Welcome to our third week of Advent this week uh, in our third installment of Choose Your Own Adventure. See what we did there? This is a series designed around those grade school books where the reader has to make a decision. A decision about which direction the main character in the story will go, which path they will take. Today's options are pride or humility, arrogance or meekness. And what I hope we discover today is a little deeper understanding of how God wants us to respond to his call on our lives. So author Mort Zachter wrote a book about a ball player that he thought represented a certain characteristic that goes beyond humility. He wrote this book about Gil Hodges. He called it a Hall of Fame life. This book was inspired by a simple story that led the author to dig deeper into Hodges' career. A career that represented his legacy both beyond, on and off the field. So in 1964, Gil Hodges had already retired from playing, and he's a manager. And he's managing, managing the Senators, and they're not very good. 64, they'd won uh, less than 100 games, um, or sorry, lost 100 games that year, and their roster was largely composed of mediocre players and no big names. There was rarely any main event that would cause any glory for that team, and in 1964, on June 8th, a player by the name of Jim King has a very, very good game. He hits three home runs. So after this three home run game that Jim King has, Hodges being a manager, normally the press would talk to him after games, after another loss or another setback in their season. They'd, he was kind of the hallmark uh, person associated with that ball club. But uh, Jim King had this amazing game. So the press was all over Jim King, but then one uh, press writer thought they'd ask Hodges a question on the side. So on the side they said, hey, Gil Hodges, you ever have a three home run game? And Gil says, no, I'm not in the record books for that one, and moved on. Well, one of the press writers there thought that was a peculiar response, though. So Bob Audie, writer for the Washington Post at the time, went and did some research before the next day's column to run, and Audie learned that um, only a few hundred people have ever hit three home runs in a game. But as of 1964, less than 10 had ever hit four. Among those, Lou Gehrig, Willie Mays, and wouldn't you know it, Gil Hodges. Gil Hodges had hit four in one game. Gil Hodges, a man that made that list, is a man who had every right, worldly right, to be proudful and boastful, but Gil Hodges chose a different path. So today's adventure character we have for you is Joseph. Joseph, who has to wrestle with this decision regarding his young fiance's pregnancy. Will he take Mary as his wife or reject her and save face within the context of his worldly social norms? So before we get into the scripture on this, let's take a few moments to get on the same page 
with some definitions of these translated English words uh, before we go applying them to our BC um, era Hebrew here. So we have our humility and our pride up here. Let's start with pride. Pride, a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct, etc. Also, we're going to use arrogance, right? Pride and arrogance going together. An offensive display of superiority or self-importance, overbearing pride. But let's jump on to slide two, humility. Humility, the quality of conducting or being humble. We'll get to humble in a minute. Modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance. To be humble, not proud or arrogant, but modest. Having, this is an important, having a feeling of insignificance or inferiority. Feeling of insignificance or inferiority. So related words to this are humility, meekness, modesty. Pride equals arrogance, humility, modesty, a feeling of insignificance or meekness. So pride and humility, two words bound up with so much tension. Ben Franklin wrote about this. He said, there is perhaps no one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. Beat it down, stifle it, mortify it as much as one pleases, it is still alive. Here's the kicker. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. <laughs> All right, so moving on from our English lesson of the morning, we're going to get into the Bible. So if you have your Bibles with you, and feel free to turn to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And in the 18th verse of that chapter, we'll read this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So up until this point, God has not entered into Joseph's picture, and Joseph believes he has two choices. Option one, divorce her quietly. Option two, divorce her publicly. That is what Joseph is toying with in this scripture. I think Joseph was planning here, he says, to make the, or what he thinks is the noble decision. Keep it quiet, send her off, and maybe she can avoid some worst-case scenario. And he can pretend like it never happened. At least he wasn't going to call her out in public as an adulterer. And he wasn't going to have to keep his, he was going to have to, if he called her out, it would keep his good name clean. And he could clear up any rumors, but he was going to send her off quietly. So arrogance, arrogance would have went public, I think. He thought he was choosing humility. But then he has an encounter with an angel. So verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So the angel gave Joseph a third option. To embrace his role in this narrative and take Mary as his wife. Against social norms. Against being faithful to the law. Against what he originally thought was the right thing to do. Rising out of this is an option to live into more than what the culture expected of him. Culture expected public divorce. More than even what the law required of him. Private divorce. Divorce her quietly. Joseph was called to love and protect both her and the child she carried. So humility... I wouldn't call Joseph's role in this Christmas story insignificant. I don't think humility, modesty, or meekness represent who Joseph was called to be. So in my research for this message, I came across another word. An ancient word that we normally have translated from the Hebrew, anav, into humble. That's how we've translated it. But in its original context, in its original Hebrew, it meant much more, much more than humility. But that's what we've simplified it down to in our translation. So that, anav, was the word that Mort Zachner, a Jewish author familiar with Hebrew and his knowledge of the Hebrew language, he used this word. Enough in reference to Gil Hodges and how he lived, as Mort would put it, a Hall of Fame life. Enough. It's found in the Torah, which is the first five books of our Old Testament Bible. It's the Hebrew Bible. And in Numbers, a book of that Torah, it is used in relation to Moses. However, when translated to humble, modest, meek, and a feeling of insignificance, it doesn't necessarily apply to Moses' life. So we read this in Numbers 12.3. Now Moses was a very humble, Nav, who was in there, a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Moses. Well, God did not call Moses to lead by an example of quiet, self-deprecating meekness. Rather, Moses was called to do great things, but with a lack of arrogance. If you're not familiar with Moses' resume, he was called by God to demand that Pharaoh let his people go, despite being a fugitive with a speech issue. Moses parted the Red Sea with the help of God. Under God's direction, parted the Red Sea. Moses received the commandments from the Lord, face to face. No one had ever had more humanly reason to be boastful than Moses, but he also understood how small he was because he was acutely aware of how big God is. Moses was a nav, a nav. I love how this, de- this word is defined by Rabbi Barry Fundel. A nav or a nabut. 
limiting oneself to an appropriate amount of space while leaving room for others, for others, which I think is a great definition, but then I love a little simpler version that I think is so powerful. Pastor David Adamson defines it this way. If there's anything you want to take away from this morning, it's this one right here. To occupy your God-given space in the world. To not overestimate yourself or your abilities, but do not underestimate them either. This is where I think we find Joseph. After being visited by the angel, he had now needed to make a choice. To stick with the law and what the law requires of him, or live into and occupy the space set apart for him by God. To not overestimate his position or abilities, but to not underestimate them either. So what's Joseph, what's Joseph going to do? Well, we get that in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to. And he took Mary home as his wife. So this question I have for you today is what does Anav look like in your life? What would it look like to accept the challenge and fully live within the space that God has created for you, gifted you for, designed and prepared you for, the space designed and prepared for you? I think that sometimes we think that being humble is playing small. But when we're merely playing small, it doesn't serve the Lord. So what would it be like to ignore the social norms and expectations and live into your role in God's story? What would it be like to make that choice to wake up and live out what the Lord has in store for you, what the Lord has asked of you. So that's the question I have for you this morning. Amen? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to spend time in worship, to spend time in study, and to spend time thinking about what you have in store for our lives. Help us understand what your role is that you want us to play. Help us live into enough to not be arrogant or boastful, not choose the prideful path, but to choose the humble path, to choose the path of humility, but go beyond that, to not play small, but play the role, the big role you've created for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.